Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MGFC podcast. Let's get in. And so for today's cast, um, I wanted to introduce Phil, who's going to be co-hosting with me. Um, I've worked with Phil at the club now for a good few years. He's a good guy, very knowledgeable. Um, so today's uh, episode or cast is just an introduction into him. And, and yeah, man, it was really, really good, really, really good. So I'm going to play that now. Right, Mr. Phil, it's about time. I don't know why you delayed because all of this was your idea. So, <laughs> but nice one anyway. Right. Um, so, yeah, just we're, we're just going to freestyle this today. I'm not, I'm not really wrote anything yeah, down no, to actually, so we're just going to go through it. Obviously, I know bits about you, but for the podcast, for the people, um, just so everyone knows, Phil, I coach with at Emston Town and Phil hopefully is going to be co-hosting with me um, after today's episode so we'll get together throw some topics out there connect like this or face to face with a mic which is obviously going to be better and we'll go through what we're going through and just keep it original keep it authentic and carry on and see what happens and hopefully the people like it so so we'll see what's going on but Phil can you just yeah introduce yourself mate and let everyone know who you are yeah so I am Phil Lavelle I am grassroots football coach at Emerson Town. I'm a father of four. Um, four kids you've got? Four. Twin boys, age 10. A little girl, age five. A little girl, age three. Ah, you've been busy, man. You've got a little uh, football team there, you saw. I, I, didn't, know, I didn't know you had four kids. I only thought you had yeah. for some reason, didn't you? No, the boys are 10. They play themselves down with their mumming in Leeds, in Castleford. Ah, okay. So, yeah, it's good. But um, I've coached now for... Six years started with under sevens, yeah. Um, from took them from the academy with a friend of mine, we finished at under tens, yeah. Um, and then I took on a project with the under 15s, yeah. Um, and have continued with the under 15s and actually enjoyed that more than I ever did when I played football, did you? Right, okay. yeah. I mean, Easy. playing history, I played. All around Manchester as a kid, from Stretford Vicks to Flixton to Ermston Town, I was there for ten yeah. years. As a ten years was yeah, all right, okay. And uh, yeah, I cut my career short probably due to two bad knee injuries. I ended up having operations on them, and then I just stayed in love with the game and went into coaching. Decent, decent. So, with that being said, so you, you're doing a project? You still doing the project now at the minute? With the under Still doing the project with the under 15s, yeah, it's ongoing. So Decent. we're into our technically it's our first full season. Yeah. We start I went in just before Christmas, the season before. Mm-hmm. We had eight eight players. Um they were joint bottom of the league. And I think at the end of the season we finished fifth. Decent. Out of twelve. Um we went on an unbeaten streak in this year 2019. We didn't get beat until the end of the season from the first of January. Yeah. And we ended up winning the cup final for the Timpling District Cup. Nice. So, yeah, it was a great run. It was a great turnaround, you know, to see the kids actually have something at the end of the season was, that was more to me than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Seeing them, like, enjoy it finally, you know. Yeah. And play, play a way I got them to play, you know, we started actually understanding football in terms of tactics and how to win games, not just in cup games, but league games and who you're against. Not It's not about winning 10-0 or yeah, yeah. losing 10 It's about sometimes it's about tactically winning 1-0 yeah. and, and actually enjoying 
playing tactical football. Yeah, decent. Right, Justin, are you scratching anything on your mic? Because again, you're a bit nope. scratching you still. Ah, there you go. Still, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it easy. Right, nice one for that, Phil. So, with with regards to the team as it currently stands, where do you see yourself going into next season? Do you see yourself winning the league, cup final again, uh, winning that, or what? what yeah, you- I mean. At the end of last season, I set the expectation of that has to be the minimum expectation. So a cup final and a better position in the league. Yeah. Um. In terms of it, I've I've got the drive and determination to want to win it all. Yeah. But obviously, realistically, that's it's not impossible, but obviously it can be. Yeah. Um, a real tough stretch. I think we're third at the moment in the league with two games in hand. Decent. We still have to play first and second at home in the league. If we win them and our games in hand, we're top of the league by six points. Nice. So, yeah, but again, the teams in first and second are two really tough games for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they were close games away from home. We came on the the wrong end of the results. Mm. Um, but the games could have gone anyway. I think one finished 5-4, one finished 4-3. Right, OK. So, you know, really close games. And it's a case of win them games and, yeah, the league's in our hands to lose. Yeah. With so. the Cups, it's a case of there's many Cups that get obviously made throughout the season. I think yeah, there's three yeah. Cups in total. It's, that's just a case of look at the draw yeah, and definitely. on the day. You know, you you don't know who you're playing sometimes. Some are from the leagues above. We'd have no information on them. It's just a case of who plays better on the day. And on them, yeah. res- them type of games, as I said to the kids when we won the Cup, is play our style of football and if we lose, we lose. Play in the way we should. Mm, definitely. So I, I don't mind if we if we don't. For me this season, it's want to get us promoted. So winning yeah. the league or coming second is my main aim. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's good aspirations, man. Really, really good. So, what made you come up with the idea of doing a podcast in general? So I remember, I remember it was. I think it was either last year, maybe the year before. We had that annual grand meeting, and I remember we were deciding about trying to throw our ideas. You know what to do, try and get the club. Profile a bit higher. Um, so yeah, what, what, I mean, what made you think of the the podcast idea? For me, I think I always think with grassroots football, you have to have a profile. You have to the biggest clubs, for instance, in our area, have got a huge profile, mm. and that's why there's so many kids going through them clubs and and so on and so on. It's just a pyramid system. So yeah, you have to have that profile. And I think for me, a podcast stands out. There isn't yeah, yeah. anything within the FA that does something like that that talks really. To the point of the line, so I don't want to come across offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like to have people's opinions brought to light because a lot of the time you'll see it on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Clubs yeah. will post about you know the results from the weekend, yeah. How how the kids did great and stuff like that, but they're not talking about maybe like pitch conditions away or at home. Yeah. How different clubs are run compared to others. Yeah. You know how they've got funding and that club hasn't got funding, but that club's got such a happy vibe around it and it's like yeah, yeah. if you can get all them bits and pieces from clubs and start scratch and build a club back up you mm. could then pretty much build the foundation to rebuild grassroots football and I think that's where it came from it's a case of I'm part of a club and yourself that's part of a club that isn't very fortunate with yeah. money and sponsorships Yeah, 100%. and everything I do for my team either comes out of my pocket or the parents or a friend or a family member donating. Yeah. Um, and it's a case of, should that be grassroots football? Should that be the experience? Kids, you know, may not have the best equipment. And it's like, 
for yeah. these to develop in life, they need to have stuff like that now, have equipment to, to be able to progress. You wouldn't send them to school without a pen and a pencil. That's true. So don't send them to football without a ball and a cone. Or, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's the basics that I want to get right. Yeah. And for me, a podcast, it, it's not just my voice, it's your voice. And it's a case of we can speak to all these other clubs and yeah. get their opinions. And, and then we might be able to get a plan together where this could be a foundation to grow grassroots. And if that's what happens to me, that's what I'm about. I'm not about wanting to become a Premier League coach. To me, it's about building grassroots. Yeah, 100%. Well, because ultimately that's where pretty much every single player comes from a grassroots club. No one's yeah. born into the Premier League or the Championship or La Liga or anything. It's, it's all, it all stems from grassroots. And, and it's funny you should say that because I did, obviously you'll know, but I did a podcast a few episodes ago, I think it was, about the state of grassroots football. Yes. And just, just through doing a bit of research on Google, the amount of money that the Premier League have put into grassroots compared yes. to where this guy who's doing save grassroots footy um you know the petition is yeah is absolutely phenomenal you know potentially if this guy gets his his um his petition through parliament it's it's 400 mil going back to grassroots footy to be distributed out to all the clubs um yeah. all the leagues you know the potential of that is staggering and that's what that's definitely um an episode i want to do revisit in the future, maybe yes, other clubs absolutely. on. Obviously, me and yourself will discuss it because the potential that it can provide. Because I also mentioned on that as well that recently um, we've had the JJB go or fires yes. or whatever's gone. And that was probably one of the biggest indoor and outdoor pitch facilities. Uh, in not, the ju- not, not just in Trafford, but yeah, Manchester. Yeah. And for that to go and for them to now look at building, you know, maybe I think it's about eight or 10 pitches that are yeah. outdoors, it's gone from being something that you had the indoor protection from all the weathers, all walk of life. So when it's raining, when it's really bad weather outside, you can go indoors and still be competitive. It's a flat pitch, you know, it's a great surface. Yes. So now you're going to have outdoor pitches and obviously it's still be probably 3G, 4G. But the fact is when it snows, when it rains and the weather's really bad, we're calling off games again. All and the time, All yeah. the time. And, and again, going back to that podcast, I want to revisit that at a later time, even with yourself and get a guest on or just go around to other clubs and yeah. stuff. But 100% I agree with that and I stand by that and I stand by you with what you fancy, you know, what, you, what you're what doing. So that's really, really good. And I'm glad that you're coming on here with me as well because it's not just me talking. It's yeah. you talking and giving your opinion and everything like that. So with that being said, I don't know if you've read the article today with regards to what Scottish, yeah, Scottish FA are, are looking to impose a rule to ban heading for kids from the age of under 12 and below. So what that basically means is that any, any football game, um, that's grassroots, or I don't know if it's going to be rolled out to the academies, but if you're under the age of 12, you're not allowed to head the ball. So I, I brought this up in work, right, with a guy that sits across the way from me. And I said okay. to him purposely, I'm on the fence with this because... I understand the reasons why, because it's, you know, there's links to dementia and all that he protects in the future of the kids. But also, I don't like the idea, if you get what I mean. So I, I'm sort of sat on the fence I have with a, this. Like, I have a very clear mentality on this. Do you? And my mentality is you don't need to change the rules in terms of what kids can and can't do within football. Because mm. if a child... 
turns 12, goes to an academy, and then becomes a Premier League footballer, mm. will his heading ability be anywhere near as good as it should be? Yeah. Possibly not, if he's not learning for 12 years after he should have. Yeah. Well, maybe six years after he should have. Yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. To me, don't change the rule, change the equipment. Make the yeah. balls better. Yeah. Well, that's the, the thing. The Premier League is a cushioned football. Yeah. Well, They're we... £120. Grassroots teams don't get that. They're getting leather-cased balls yeah, 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 that yeah. are doing damage. Yeah. To be fair, the balls are improving, but... Yes. When you when you look at when you look at so I was reading it and it, the, the there's a case study where the person obviously had dementia passed away but back in the day when they were using the ball it was a lot heavier when it rained water would soak yeah. in there so and the pitch yeah the turn is like a brick exactly so but based on you know nowadays I think it'd be more interesting to see in twenty thirty years time current crop of footballers that are say at the peak at the minute. To have them tested and see where we're at, because obviously, it, from back twenty years ago up until now, the balls are a lot lighter, they're a lot more cushioned, not just at the top, but they are improving towards yeah. down at bottom of grassroots. You know, when we get new balls every year, you know they look absolutely amazing and they feel a lot better. So, I would be interested to see in thirty years' time the current crop of where obviously the technology is in football at the minute, but also to see the players that were playing at this time to see if the effects are still known with regards to yeah, heading ball I, and I dementia. Or... So, so for me, it's intriguing. Um, I just think, Go on. I, would, I would love to know the stat of how many professional, people who are classed as professional footballers, Yeah. to how many of them, the ratio of dementia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then work out, you know, is it, like you say, it is an odd few, but it only seems to be when it's someone famous that it happens to, when it's a massive, yeah, you know, it goes out in the press, the media jump on it and stuff like that. But yeah, if you yeah. think about how many people play football and head a ball yeah. every day, I mean, there isn't a coach I know of that does a full hour training session on heading. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. a case, I always say this with heading a ball, tall people don't learn to head. They don't learn to jump. They don't learn to jump because at a small when they're younger and they're already tall, they don't need to jump. It's the small kids that learn to jump. Yeah, yeah. And it's a case that they become better headers of the ball in the future. Yeah. Definitely. Um but uh, as experience from doing academy up to under tens recently, the last few years, mm. we the kids refuse to head balls. They don't like it. No, I mean no one likes to head a ball. Yeah. Um, especially when it's cold, wet, windy, you know, and if they if they can get away from doing it, they will. Yeah, and I think with a modern game, yeah. heading of a football is kind of deteriorating, unless you're playing, I mean, the old school Stoke long ball football. I yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. now with the rules of you can be in the box from goal kicks. So, yeah. you, you know, you see City, Edison, Stones, Laporte playing it out from the back. There's no going long. And yeah, if they're going yeah. long, they're bringing it down more on the chest or with a great first touch in the modern era. Yeah. Heading over ball is really, except from a corner, gone out the window. Yeah. So no, if to yeah, remove right. like heading of the ball, do you remove corners? You know, that is yeah. that. Yeah, see, that's what, we're, that's, that's what we're talking about as well. Because, and... Yeah, because how, how would it work? So say, for example, now you got Aguero shot on target, keeper saves it, goes out for a corner. Well, what's the story with that? Is it just going to go the, to the corners then become kick? something like hockey, where it's like like played into like the outside of the box? Yeah, or all like the players that, have to then. line up on the line. Yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. can change such a f- huge thing for something that yeah. I think is 
I think heading of a football in foot in the ninety minutes of football, it probably is less than five percent of the game. Yeah. Yeah, depending on how the opposition play and how you play. Yeah, absolutely. If you've got them that are going long ball and all that. The... I think the technology that's been given to you know, obviously especially in grassroots there's not a lot of fortunate people, but there's these yeah. vests that people can wear and they can gain technology. A lot of the pros use them now. Yeah. And just everything about you can go on the FA websites, you can get training sessions, you can get ideas, you can you have a full range to professional coaches, YouTube. I know Bournemouth and Eddie Howe, he puts a lot of his training sessions out there. Yeah. Which I enjoy watching and getting ideas from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no. it's a case of with the technology and stuff Coaches really shouldn't be wanting to play long ball football anymore. Yeah, yeah. That should be a thing of the past, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. Um, I know there, there would be some, but a lot of leagues at the lower level, from my experience, keepers aren't allowed to kick out of their hands anymore. Yeah. It has which, to be rolled out, which I, is a great idea yeah. to contradict and, to, like you say, to go against the heading rule. It yeah, does yeah. stop as much heading, but it's not cutting it out. It's yeah, there yeah. when it needs to be there, because I think it is a part of football that, yeah. does need to be there and it's a case of the kids understanding do a head do a chest to bring it out it's a key factor in decision making and yeah. that's a huge huge foundation into being a footballer is yeah. how good is your decision making yeah definitely it's funny you should mention that because uh, a few weeks ago so my lad played um he played on a sunday and it wasn't on the 4g pitches which he normally plays on it was on the grass yeah. And there was about two or three games before it, so the grass was absolutely horrible. Yeah, a couple it, of bubbles. And, yeah, and all that. And he was playing a team where they were more old school than modern era. So basically the ball wouldn't run on the floor, it kept getting stuck. Yeah. So they, they were just hitting the long ball, winning it, and then just the physical game, they brought out the physical game back into the grassroots yes. match. And I was just like, the, the team that he was playing for were like, you know what they do. We're, 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 yeah. we're normally, you know, we're, we're normally like get the ball on the floor, try and play, and they tried to play, you know, for the sake of the game and stuff, and you know, fair play to them. But they were absolutely outgunned um, by this young, stronger team who were just basically dog, dog fighting for the whole match and winning. Yeah. So with that aspect of it as well, um, yeah, with the the way how the game is played now, the playing out from the back. Do you think that does benefit the grassroots teams at the lower ages? Now, the reason why I ask this is because in the modern game, as you stated before, you can now play out. Well, if you play out the back, your attacker is now able to go into the box, receive the ball, or you know, try and close down the ball. Yeah. This, that, the other. So at the minute, for I don't know, I think I think it's for under under twelves, maybe under elevens. Any on goal kicks, the opposition team has to retreat to allow the other team. To come out. Yes, to the halfway line. But that, but to me, that's not realistic of a game. No. So, what, what are your thoughts on with regards? To yeah, that? and I think that comes down to, and my honest opinion on this, this comes down to league sex and how they run that division. Yeah. Um, I had a great league sec, um, my under tens level, who every five or six games would re- review the results. Yeah. And if I had beaten a team, you know, more than five nil. I would be pushed up and they would be pushed down. Yeah. And the, the, the literally the groups were seeded five teams per group and it would be a case of every five weeks you could be going up, down, up, down, like a ladder. Yeah, so yeah, you were yeah. always playing competition mm. close to you in terms of level. So, because the retreat rule really, it's only benefit if a team is getting absolutely spanked. Yeah. 
you know, at least they're getting some time on the ball before you yeah, can yeah. press them. Yeah. But I also think that where, other than that point in time, are they going to get that much time on a football? They're not. Yeah, exactly. So I know they brought into a lot of clubs asking teams to play foosball, to work on touch and, you know, just different style of football, which is great. But mm. retreating to me doesn't benefit the losing side. I think yeah. it only benefits the winning side. It gives them a break. It gives them a breather. Yeah. Um, and also the team that are attacking, they're predicting what yeah, the defence yeah. are doing. The defence yeah. aren't thinking about predicting where that person's going to press. Yeah. So, and if they're already losing, all they're going to do is either lose the ball in a dangerous position right in front of goal. Yeah, yeah. Or they're just going to boot it long, which yeah. isn't then playing out from the back and playing the football that the modern yeah. era want. Um, so yeah. to me, I think that rule, it isn't bad, but it doesn't benefit. Yeah. So with, with the long with the long ball, so for me, right, I'm sort of like, and again, I'm, I'm not going to take either side. It, it, there's benefits and there's disadvantages, but we're, we're no, the English are known for the long ball game. Hoof it up, win it high, and then see what happens after it. Surely that, the, the reason why I want to talk about this, in a bit more details because the playing out from the back is like a Spanish La Liga type of technique which was yes. implemented in their leagues for years and they played from grassroots up to the, the big game and we sort of used that or taken the idea off them and implemented it in our game and obviously it's, it is good because the technique of a lot of the younger ones now is, is far more yeah. better than what it was say 10-15 years ago but why have we not evolved our long ball game instead of taking someone else's idea because I I, can, I go into that and I think our long ball game was made because of conditions of pitches. Mm. Because even now, especially in grassroots football, playing out from the back sometimes can be a danger based on the pitch you're playing on. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously a lot of facilities are muddy. And, yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. bubbles, bubbles molehills. There's yeah, all yeah. different sorts of things. Yeah. No, not pit, no pitch in grassroots football is perfectly flat yeah, unless yeah. you're playing on, like you say, a 5G pitch. Yeah. Um, but it's a case of if you go back and watch years back of football, you know, 50, 60 years ago, they were playing out from the back. Yeah. And they were playing football. It was just a case of pitches got worse, conditions got worse, players mm. got bigger. In terms of naturally, as humans, we got bigger, we got stronger. So more of an aerial duel became an advantage. If you could win yeah. it in the air, you had an advantage because you can't use your hands and no yeah. one can jump that high with their feet. So if you had someone that was amazing in the air, you were gaining an advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, teams totally, then yeah, played yeah. to their advantage, which obviously became this long ball football, Stoke, yeah. Peter Crouch type game. Yeah. And for a long time it worked. But then hmm. when you see now, like you say, to me when people argue, oh, but you can't play out from the back on, on these surfaces and grassroots. Like you said, it's a La Liga style of football. You go watch the kids in Spain in the poorer environments in mm. terms of their style of grassroots. They're playing on the streets on cobble roads, which aren't flat. Yeah. And they're playing in bare feet sometimes, flip-flops. They can do it. Yeah, and that, yeah, yeah. they do it in any condition so yeah. that when it comes to the time when the conditions are perfect, they play perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's I what that, yeah. we need to do. It's not a case of changing the style, it's changing the mentality. Yeah, definitely. Um, last bit. So, uh, in the State of Grassroots podcast that I did, um, I mentioned a bit about 
pro clubs. So your Man United, your Cities, your Burnley's, yep. and whatnot. And why are they not involved more in getting involved with grassroots? So my idea would be to say, say a couple of coaches, maybe once a quarter, would have a look and see what local grassroots clubs there are. Come down and say, hey, my name's so-and-so from, you know, Man United or Man City, you know, a coach, the academy. I'd like to, you know, get involved with your club, maybe do some coaching mentoring, maybe even put some sessions on to show you some bits and bobs that we do at our academy that you potentially might be able to do at grassroots level to improve your club, get you affiliated with us. And you never know, we might pick up a, a kid or two and then, you know, give you some, yeah. some money behind it. I think... What, 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 why do you think that more clubs don't get involved like that? Because, you know, I, think I, know, that, a, I know that you've, it, I I think... you've got your citizens and, you, and you've got your yeah. United Foundation and all that. And that's, that's all still good for the community. But why, why do you think a lot more clubs aren't getting involved in strictly just the grassroots? Yeah, thing? I think there's a lot of case of like the mentoring thing, I think is a great idea. Especially for mm. coaches that some coaches can't afford to a level two, a level three, UA for B. Yeah. You know, they would love to. They would love to learn it. But yeah. for me, it's the case of like these courses that Monday to Friday or over weekends, you've got to miss games or miss work. Yeah, People yeah. can't afford to do that. So it's a case for me is these coaches should come down and mentor that like, knowing that if there's passionate enough people yeah. who want to coach football and volunteer, that they should then give them a bit of knowledge and experience and anything they can. And they don't yeah. have to run a session for the kids. They don't have to say to the kids they're from Man City, they could just do a bit of one-to-one with the coaches to make that coach... Yeah. Like a secret and if agent. It, yeah, in a way. Like, yeah. they, don't have to, they don't have to show where they're coming from. They, it, I, I know the Manchester FA do do a mentor scheme. A mentor scheme yeah. And it's a case Good of scheme, you have actually. to ask for it and stuff like that, which is great. I've done it myself. Yeah. But it's a case of who do you contact to ask for that, I see. And that's, yeah, my, yeah. that's my worry with the big pro clubs is mm. there's no there's no job role in them or there's no person who's to yeah. say I'm the person you contact if you want anything to do with contacting about coaching training yeah. set because why can't coaches go and watch Man City train yeah not just the pro team I get that maybe that's like secret and stuff like that but why can't we go watch the under 21s train and see if we can pick up any tips or ask questions yeah. and maybe do a QA and a at the end of the session you know yeah, if yeah, we've yeah, got yeah. free time to do that I think yeah. that would be more beneficial than them pumping into grassroots and coming down to clubs and kids getting excited that they might get scouted and then them yeah, not yeah, coming definitely. back a couple yeah. of weeks. And, you know, yeah. you've got that whole thing of kids, when they see someone with like a city coat on, yeah. they'll, they'll get all excited and then they don't come back and they think, oh, it's not for yeah, me. They can going on, yeah. mentality of, oh, I'm yeah, not good yeah. enough. So that can be a bit of a hindrance. But for me, I think I have this idea at the moment of Man City's old training complex. Mm. So it was it was rented or given to Berry as an affiliate yeah. to Man City. Berry did not look after it from what I know of, and it's been closed down. Berry have been taken yeah, away yeah, from it, and it's now, just yeah. it's just a dump now. It's it's yeah. got everything there. There's cafe, there's changing rooms. I had a cup final there. It was absolutely amazing. The kids yeah. loved it, and to me, I wonder now is something I'm got my head at at the minute trying to hit walls and break barriers yeah. is why can that not replace the soccer dome? Yeah. Why can't a group of volunteers with the help of Man City or even run, United because they're still there, aren't they? Man United are at Carrington but obviously it's two different sections it's quite far apart. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that but well, yeah. why couldn't that 
be turned into five-a-side pitches, grass pitches, 4G pitches, 5G pitches they've got. And clubs use it as training facilities in the winter. Yeah, definitely. Use it as... I know Gary Neville was trying to do something at Turn Moss. Something similar. Clubs yeah. could pay to rent the pitches. Obviously, it would be run by volunteers, but yeah. there's a cafe there, so it could turn over a bit of money. Yeah. You know, hot drinks and cold drinks, a bit of food. Definitely, yeah. Something they don't have to use all the, yeah. you know, the gym and all that can all be closed, but the actual grass and the pitches, yeah. all that would take was City to have a groundsman who used to obviously work there, who works where else, or yeah. whoever, just to look after the pitches that's the only person they would need. And I'm sure yeah. within the grassroots community, I could name 15, 20 people already that yeah. would help run and set up an organization. Definitely. There to, to aid training facilities for yeah. grassroots clubs that, I mean, there's some teams that can't afford to go to the soccer dome and especially the younger ones, which was always my frustration Yeah, is any team under tens and below, they yeah. can't train after eight o'clock at night. Yeah, the midweek, yeah. they've got school, like, you know, coming up to the SATS exams, some of them. Yeah. So to me, it's a case of you try to get round the, to the soccer dome around Manchester at Christmas time before eight o'clock. Yeah, you snookered. You, the traffic's over. 45 minutes to an hour long. Then you're leaving an hour before, yeah. you're leaving an hour before training. You're at training for an hour and then you've got to get home as well. These kids are yeah. exhausted. Some of them have swimming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they come straight from swimming or other activities. So it's a case yeah. of, we can't make training there because we've got swimming and then traffic's too bad. Yeah. And then, the name is and then they don't want to pay for it. And then you get yeah, into a bicker. Yeah, and yeah. You don't pay for it for one week and then you're not allowed back there. And yeah. And so it's, expensive, it's, it's, it's expensive as well it's because it's really, like, really expensive for you to, for you to even, you'd, you'd have to, so I had it at, at where I was training and luckily it was okay. But some weeks I'd be short, so I'd have to fund it myself. But you, yeah. you're asking, you're trying to charge as little as possible, but you, you then have to up it depending on numbers because obviously you're not getting the numbers through and it's expensive. It's, it's absolutely um, ridiculous. That's where I've, obviously I've got my own morals and rules and things, how I've coached from experience, from, mm. from being a player and from then learning as I first came into it you know, yeah. vulnerable and just like you say, booking at the soccer and booking everywhere. And I wanted to just train all the time, get them in, yeah. get them training, best thing for them. But yeah. to me now in the summer, we train at our club on the pitches yeah. um, and that's free facility, but I charge them two pound, the parents, I ask them all and we build a kit. So then in the winter, it's not six pound a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah Plus yeah. they're paying the club fees and everything else that it just, it's just two pound all year round then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And asking for two pound is nothing compared to asking for six pound. Yeah. Especially for people that haven't got a lot of money or haven't got the funding. And like you say, they haven't. Me having to cover two pound one week is yeah. better than me having to cover 12 pound yeah, or six pound, whatever yeah. it is once in, especially around Christmas when I've got children, as I've said, that mm. I need to buy for and provide for. So, oh god, yeah. Then you don't want to leave a kid not coach, you know, not playing football in the cold, and yeah. You, then you don't want to lose your space at a, at a pitch because you can't yeah, yeah. pay for it. And exactly. as soon as you don't pay one week, you're done. They'll give it to yeah, someone else. There's, there's too many clubs with not enough facilities. So if you don't pay, they can fill that spot in a second. Yeah. Definitely. So it is. Definitely. A, it's, a, it's a horrible no, it's situation. A good argument, man. Yeah, it's a good argument. But yeah, you're um, right in saying that. You know, more. You know, why? Why bury the old training facility? Why is that not being used? Why can't roll it? Wow. Yeah. It's, it's so valid. It's all valid. I, I totally forgot about that. That place. Is, yeah. I it's just going to turn into an overgrown but... state. Yeah. And it, all yeah, it yeah, needs yeah, is right. a couple of people volunteer. But obviously, it needs the authority from city who own it to allow yeah, it. Definitely. And to me, if I was. 
in terms of asking them to get involved in grassroots football, which I know they are, you know, yeah, yeah. They, they are all over. Just because they're not down at the club you're at, or you might not see them, they are in aspects of world. You could ring 100 clubs and 50 of them will tell you that they've seen or had some part of connection with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, then, but yeah. to me, that's a that's a facility that could be massively used. And yeah. if they wanted to run it and have their own staff running it, they could use it as a company. They could create yeah. money as funding for, for Man City itself. Mm. which could go back into their club but if they wanted but what it, that would do also it would help grassroots yeah 100%. obviously to help grassroots further they could run it and the money gained there by selling drinks and teas and coffees bacon butters yeah. on a morning they put that money back into grassroots football yeah definitely. now that would be huge yeah so on that I'm going to end it there yeah and hopefully people will share this listen to it some great points that you've made, Phil. So nice one for that. Um, and then hopefully we can we can just grow, grow grassroots man together and see what Absolutely. we can do and grow the podcast and all that. But thank you for that. I wanted to do that for this today's episode because obviously yes. I've been waiting for you to jump on board. Finally, yes. you have. I know. So you know we'll continue just to grow. Um, just a quick apologies to everyone who's listening. If the audio quality is not the greatest, we are recording through our phones, so. At the minute, it might not be perfect. It might be listenable, but not perfect. But that'll improve as you do, as you grow. So yeah, we'll we've got the that. equipment there to get going. We'll get face to face, and we'll get some. We'll get a couple of episodes out. And we'll stay relevant. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. But if there's anything like you say that anyone has any ideas or listens and has an opinion, yeah. drop us a message. Definitely, and we'll discuss it in the next episode. Definitely. Yeah. All right, Phil. Nice one. All, for the, best. That, mate. All the best, Carlos. Thank All you very right, much. Man. See you in a bit. Take care. Bye. And there you have it, guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, today today was really good, man. Really, really enjoyed it. Hopefully, going forward, we'll get, you know, some more guests on. Um, and, yeah, man, I just want well, to thank you for listening. Please, everyone, spread the word, because without you guys listening to the, the cast and pushing it, you know, getting your friends, families, loved ones, players, parents, leagues or, or whoever listening then it, it, you know we don't make what we make so please continue to listen remember you can get us at twitter at mgfc or you can send us an email at manchestergrassrootsfc at gmail.com look forward to the next one take care guys